Would you pray with me, please? Father, in the precious name of your Son, Jesus, we pray for your anointing now to speak and to hear your holy word. Prepare our hearts, O God, that we may not hear only what we want to hear, but that we may hear you and seek to hear beyond human words, Father, to hear what the Spirit says to the church. My Father, open our souls and our hearts to you in new and amazing ways. Glorify your name, O Father God, in our midst today. And be exalted, O Lord, because it's all about you. It's all about you. Have your way, O Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everyone. May I invite you to open your Bibles, please, to the Gospel of John. I again want to recommend always that you bring your Bibles. Don't leave them home. They were not created to stay home. They were created to come to church. That's what your Bibles are for. To, to open them, to crack them open, to mark them and inwardly digest them. So I invite you all to make it a practice to bring your Bibles. You can also use the insert that is in the bulletin to follow, um, to follow my teaching today, uh, or you can use the Bibles that are in your front pews, but you cannot mark those. <laughs> They're not ours. Last week, um, we were witnesses of a very special encounter between Jesus and a Pharisee named Nicodemus. Remember that? We got to go to the huddle where Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. And we got to hear a little bit about the conversation that went on between them. It seems that Nicodemus, at least from my point of view, and I, I believe this, it seems that Nicodemus had questions about the life to come. It seems to me that his questions are about what happens when you die or things about heaven. And the reason I believe that is because Jesus does what he always does. He points him in another direction. And so he speaks to him about being born again. It seems that Nicodemus' head is in heaven, and Jesus wants his head to be on earth. Because we better do something on earth that is going to have repercussions in heaven. But we can't be so focused on heaven that we ignore the important things of earth. And it seems to be that Nicodemus has a lot of questions. He's an older man, and he may be thinking, you know, he needs to start thinking about the life to come. 
And Jesus' answer is, Nicodemus, before you can live over there, you have to be born again over here. You have to be born anew. You may be very religious, but God wants you to, to, to have something new in your life. You must be born again. You must be born anew. And the reality is that Jesus is actually pointing Nicodemus to himself, to Jesus. Jesus is the giver of new life. He is the son that the father has given because he so loved the world. That whosoever believes in the son will never perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus is the one through whom we are born again. But also Jesus points him to the Holy Spirit. Because he tells him that everyone that is born of God must be born of water and the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit. That was that encounter. Today we're going to be witnesses of another encounter. And next week we might see another encounter, because we get to travel with Jesus while he is meeting different people. Today we witness the encounter between Jesus and a woman who thinks she needs water. Okay? She needs water, at least in her mind. What she needs is water. She keeps coming to the same well every day with a jar, and she gathers enough water or gets enough water for her need for that day, possibly drinking water, washing waters, dish water, and whatever. Okay, she needs to keep coming to get water. She believes that solves her immediate needs. There are six things that I want to teach you this morning about evangelism or sharing your faith. We all know that as followers of Jesus, we have a command from the Lord that we are to go make disciples. We are not to keep the faith to ourselves. We are filled by the Lord so that we can give it away, and then He fills us more. Okay? The job of a disciple is to spread the Word and to bring people to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So there are six things that I want to share with you that I learned from these encounters with Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman. And his uh, encounter perhaps next week with a blind man, etc. Number one, the first thing I learned about sharing your faith and sharing our faith. And this is something I have repeated to you over and over again in the past weeks. For Jesus, ministry is the person in front of him. For Jesus, ministry is the person in front of him. I know that we need to plan well sharing our faith with people we love. 
We know we have to share it with our, our sons and daughters. I know we have to share it with relatives. I know we have to share it with co-workers. I know we have to share it with people that perhaps we've been praying for. And by the way, when you share your faith, talk to Jesus first about your friend before you talk to your friend about Jesus. You got to pray. You have to let the Holy Spirit prepare the ground, prepare the heart. So that when you share the gospel, as you must and should, you will do it with the aid of the Lord. And he would have preceded you into the heart. Draw that heart unto the Father. Then you come and you do the harvest. But do not ignore those many times when Jesus is going to present before you divine appointments. When Jesus is going to bring you into situations where you're going to meet people that you were not planning to share the gospel with, and yet they're brought to you so that you can share the gospel with them. For, for Jesus, ministry was the person right in front of him. You know, Jesus may have known that he was going to encounter the woman... But the reality is that Jesus saw any and everyone that came near him as a potential son and daughter of the Lord. Everyone he saw in that person someone who needed to know the truth that God so loved the world that he gave his son. So any and everyone that comes into proximity to you is an opportunity for you to be used by God to share the gospel. And please don't tell me that you are shy. <laughs> because the reality is that that person you did not share the gospel with today, you might never meet again. And you would have wasted a tremendous God-made opportunity to tell them how much God loves them. Or to just represent the Lord in their lives. The other day I was with a couple of brothers. We, we had gone to a meeting. And we're at a gas station. And in front of us there is a lady who comes out of her car and she could hardly walk. She was just limping to get gas. And I saw this lady, I was a passenger. And I said to myself, this is ministry right here, right now. I undid my, my, my seat belt and I went out, didn't have to say anything to anybody. And I asked her if I could help her. And she said, thank you, I really would appreciate it. And I took the, the hose and I pumped her gas in the tank and I put the cap on and I closed the tank door and I said to her, may I pray for you? And she said, yes, that would be nice. And right there at the gas station with anybody and everybody present, I took an opportunity to express to her how much God loves her and how much I'm representing the Lord 
in praying for her need at that moment in that place. And I said to her, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Lord, heal her of this problem in her hip. And she said, thank you very much. And I got back in the car and we kept on going. I will never most likely meet that woman again. But that was my moment to represent Jesus to her. I don't know her past and I don't know her future. But that moment, at that place, I was telling her, Jesus loves you and Jesus cares that you're having problem with your hip. So the first thing I want you to learn about evangelism is to be open to the person that God is going to bring into your life. And to take the risk and put yourself out because it's not about you. It's about that person. That they need to know that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God loves her. That's the first thing I want you to learn and accept every moment as a God moment and an appointment by the Lord for you to be his representative. Second thing I want you to know about sharing your faith and evangelism. If we want to be effective in sharing our faith, we need to take the time to know the need of the person that we are going to be sharing the faith with. Jesus comes to Nicodemus. Jesus could have talked to Nicodemus about anything, but he uses the need of Nicodemus at that moment, and he's questioning about heaven to tell him about being born again. Jesus sees the Samaritan woman and realizes she needs water, so he's going to speak to her about living water. He uses the situation, he uses the need in her life because people are open to hear when it's about the need in their life. If you try to bring the gospel to them or share the parables or share revelations or share this, it will bounce off. But when someone has a need and you speak into that need and introduce Jesus into that need, their heart is open. Their ears are open because you're speaking about something they want to hear and find a resolution to or something that would help them with. When you want to share the gospel, ask yourself, what does my son or daughter need? What is he hungry for? What is he thirsty for? And how am I going to bring Jesus into that hunger and into that thirst? Try to listen about the need of the person. And then pray healing into that area. Pray Jesus into that area. Enter into the person's life because that's where their need is and that's where we're going to be open to hear. The third thing I want you to learn 
about sharing your faith that I learned from this thing is that whatever you say to anybody, ultimately you must introduce Jesus into the conversation. You can share your testimony, but if you don't introduce them to Jesus, you just told them how great you are. Ultimately, every sharing of our faith must say, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the source of blessing. Jesus is the one that we all must come to for salvation. It's not about me. It's not about my situation. It's not about how bad I was and how good now I am. But how Jesus came into my life, transformed my life, and has continued to transform it. So you want to make Jesus the focus. And you want to draw people to Jesus. Not even to the church, but to Jesus. He is the one. Number four, in sharing your faith. One of the things I notice here in this encounter is that we're told that she is a Samaritan. She's a Samaritan. She's not Jewish. She's semi-Jewish, but she's not Jewish. She doesn't worship or has the same beliefs or same expectations as the Jewish people. So Jesus has to correct her in a few things there. But what I want to show you is that as a Samaritan... Jesus goes to those who are not just Jews. Jesus goes to people of every color, of every race, of every nation, of every tongue, whoever. Because everybody needs Jesus. And we must never say, I will only share with people of my own faith, or my own nationality, or my own color, or my own language. Jesus so many times crosses that, that line and, and, and brings a Syrophoenician woman and her family to faith. A centurion, a Roman centurion, a Pharisee, a woman, children. Jesus sees the person, not what divides us. Everybody needs Jesus for salvation. And we must be willing to go outside our comfort zones, our own families, our own friends, and be open to everyone that Jesus might come into our lives. Independent of race, that's a child of God, a potential son and daughter of the living God. Number five, one of the things I learned here is how Jesus goes to a woman. Folks, for us that may not be a big deal today. But in the time of Jesus, a respectable rabbi would never be caught speaking to a woman outside the city by a well. Jesus sees the woman, not what they might say about him. He sees the need not what accusations they may be laid against him. Jesus has an attitude toward women that should not be overlooked. You take a look at the Gospels, 
And Jesus has a great and open heart to women that the rabbis generally did not have. Whether it was the Samaritan woman, or the Syrophoenician woman, or the woman caught in adultery, or the woman that touched the hem of his garment, or Mary, or Martha, or anybody who ever needed him, male or female, Jesus had a heart for people, not for one gender or another. She was a woman, and Jesus' heart was toward her. And we must be open to all people. Everybody needs Jesus. Without Jesus, there's no salvation. And number five, when it comes to sharing your faith, one of the things I see here is that Jesus brings her or or approaches her at a well. Not at a cathedral, not at the temple, not at the synagogue, and not anywhere, wherever, whenever there is an opportunity. Jesus does not matter where he's at. He brings people to the knowledge of him. It has nothing to do with geography. It has nothing to do with where you are. It has everything to do with an opportunity for ministry, whether you're in a gas station, whether you're in a subway store, whether you are in a supermarket, and whether you are any and every place. If you are at a party and it's too busy and you can't hear, take that somebody by the hand and take him outside and share the gospel with them. Don't say, oh, I need to bring you to St. David's. St. David's don't save. And Father Jose can share the gospel as well as you. And your testimony may be even more powerful than anything I may say. Because it is you whose heart is open to and not me. And, and by the way, people may say, I'll see you on church on Sunday. They may not show up. And you just wasted an opportunity to share the love of Jesus as simply as saying, may I pray for you. God loves you. So Jesus meets her at a well, and he met Nicodemus huddled in, in, in the night someplace near Jerusalem. It's not about the place, it's about the person. I want to teach you three things that I hope bless you today in this passage, and you will never read this passage the same again. Number one, I want you to see in this passage that there are two wells in this passage. There are two wells. The visible well, which is that of Jacob, to where she has come every day to draw water. She knows that well well. But there is a second well. It's Jesus Christ who is the well of God to all who would take from him life eternal. In front of her was the one that can give her eternal life. Out of him would well out 
the presence of Almighty God. One was the natural well, the other one the supernatural well. One gives water for the moment, the other one gives water for eternity. You can draw from Him and you would have eternal life. Two wells. I want you to see in this passage that there are two waters. The physical, substantial water that she comes to draw and she knows she has it. And she takes it home and she bathes with it and she drinks of it and she washes with it and she cleans her house with it. That is one type of water in this passage. But Jesus is offering a different type of water that he calls living water. The type of water that when you drink of it will transform your life forever and ever, now and into eternity. There's two types of water here. One that she knows by natural means and the other one that Jesus is offering by supernatural means. I call this sermon an offer you can't refuse. <laughs> Thinking of the Godfather. I'll make you an offer you can't refuse. Well, this is an offer she cannot refuse. And this is an offer we cannot refuse. If we refuse it, it's for our eternal damnation. This is an offer. Jesus is offering the kind of water that when he comes into you, it will produce rivers out of you of living water. And of course, what he is inviting her to receive is the Holy Spirit. That is the living water that Jesus is speaking about. Two types of waters. You see, let me tell you this. This woman, when I look at, at her, and when I look at her story, and how she's presented to us, this is a woman that comes to get natural water. But her needs are not just natural. This is a woman that must have such brokenness in her soul. But at times we have brokenness in our soul and we ignore it because we don't think we can do anything about it. And so we feed or satisfy the needs of our lives by all kinds of other things. And the reality is that what we know about this woman is that she came looking for regular water, but she must have known that deep in her soul she had brokenness. And sometimes we know it's there, but we don't do anything about it. We just learn to live with brokenness, with hurt, with sorrows. And they're there, but we try to ignore them because they're too painful. I don't think this woman could have been married to five different husbands and not be damaged in some way, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. You cannot have been in five relationships of this type of such intimacy without getting hurt. I don't know if the husbands died. I don't know if they abandoned her. I don't know what happened. But you cannot have gone through five husbands and not be hurt. Not be damaged. Not be full of sorrow. Not be full of regret. Not be full of pain. 
And then the husband she has now is not even her husband. I don't know if that means that he's married to somebody else, or it just simply means he's not committed to her. He's not committed to the relationship. He can walk out as soon as he wants to. He's not committed. He, listen, I also don't know if she had children or not, but if she's been married five times, the likelihood is she may have had children. And this guy's not committed to her, to her family, or to their children, or the relationship. And yet, she's putting up with it because somehow she's getting something out of it. And in reality, she's in a, in, in a spiral downward. And she's going to get hurt again. She's just going to get hurt again because this guy clearly is not committed to this relationship. She's coming for water. Jesus sees the hurt, the damage of the past, the inner healing necessary. Jesus sees in her someone that he can offer the Holy Spirit who will work in her from the inside out. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't just work on the outside. The Holy Spirit works on the inside to heal all of the stuff of the past. All of the hurts of previous relationships. All of the things we have done and the things we have done to others. There is internal healing that unless it happens, our externals are not going to be joyful. Are not going to be right. Are not going to be peaceful. There is inner healing that needs to occur. And Jesus is offering healing from the inside through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And he's offering living water that will flow into her and out of her. And she will have life again. For now. Because salvation is for now and for later. Jesus is for now and for eternity. Healing is for now and forever. Eternal life begins the moment you turn your life over to Jesus Christ for the now and for eternity. Two wells, two waters, two waters. And two lives. Two lives. Her life before Jesus was full of pain, was full of bad decisions, was full of victimization, was full of sadness and sorrow and scars. And the life she receives after Jesus. Is such a one that she has to go to the city, to, the, to her town, and tell everybody about that man who just changed my life. Then people come running, not believing just because she said, but because they themselves now get to hear Jesus. But they would never have come unless she, her life, had become the testimony they needed. Two lives. Before Jesus, full of pain. After Jesus, full of hope, 
full of forgiveness, full of restoration, full of joy, so much that you want to tell the whole world that this man has the answer to your outer problems and to your inner problems. Two wells, two waters, two lives. Here's my question to you this morning. Can anyone here today relate with this woman? Can anyone here recognize that sometimes we're just putting band-aids in the sorrows of our lives? That we're just trying to cover up pain and sorrow and scars and hurts by just looking for the natural water. When the thing that heals truly and completely is the living water of the Holy Spirit that comes through Jesus Christ. Can anybody relate to this woman? Is anybody here coming into this church with all kinds of sorrows and pains? Because I want to say to you, you can meet Jesus today and you can receive his Holy Spirit that will work from the inside and do things in you that are just transformative. Because he has done it in others, he can do it in you. Is there anyone that can relate to this woman and say, I want living water? I want living water. I want the river of living water in my soul. Jesus Christ is offering today. I don't know how long you've been a Christian, but there are lots of Christians that just crack the door open. When Jesus wants the door wide open, a complete submission, a complete surrender, Lord Jesus, sit in the throne of my heart. You be thy Lord, the Savior, the God, the King that directs my life. I no longer want control of my life. I want you to come. I open today totally, completely, without excuse, without boundaries. I open to you my life. Come, Lord Jesus, and reign in me. Sit on the throne of my heart. Because that's what begins this process of what Jesus wants to do in us. Let me also say this to you. God's reality begins with the first step in the right direction. I think with Jesus, all you have to do is take the first step. Because he'll carry you the rest of the way. And that first step is to open yourself and invite him in completely and without reservation. The right step in the right direction will lead you to all that Jesus wants to do in your life. And you will not recognize yourself in, in just a few months or a year from now, you will not recognize who you were and who God has made you now to be. Do you trust Him enough to give Him fully your whole life, your every moment, your every area of life? 
Open your heart to the Lord. Open your heart to the Lord. Invite him in. And just tell him, Father, Lord Jesus, life without you is just not enough. I want the whole life, the true life. I want, Lord, what you offer this woman. I want it too, right now. I want it, Lord. I need it. I've been covering my pain with natural means, and they're only band-aids. They're not healing. I want your Holy Spirit. Two encounters. Nicodemus and now this woman. And I think Jesus wants to encounter us here today as well. He's here and he wants to have a meeting with you. Wherever you come from, whoever you are, he wants you to know him and to open your life to him. Without him, I don't care what you do, you're lost. With him, it doesn't matter who you are, you are found. For now and for eternity. Stand with me.